My name's Ian Austin, and this is Friday Night Shudder. <laughs> Sorry, that was my phone. Tonight on tap, we have Rose Leslie's Honeymoon, a movie that I'm sure is going to be a heartwarming romantic comedy with a soundtrack comprised of entirely classic songs by Hugh Collins and his natural beats. So strap in, or strap on rather, tune in, and remember, life is beautiful. Chapter 1. A Groovy Kind of Love The movie starts with found footage of Rose Leslie as she informs us that she's now a wife. I'm so happy that we're back found footage. This isn't cut with her husband, who I can't remember his name, so I'm just going to call him Guy. Guy's wronging down catering. He's not happy if the food presented. Exposition about their relationship, including talk of food poisoning and diarrhoea. So this is our fuck you Indian food. It's actually a piece of dialogue from this movie which makes me think, um, okay. Mate, it does have point in the actual movies. He's talking about how food gave him diarrhea. But maybe, maybe you could just say so this is our fuck you food we had one evening. You don't have to be quite so specific. And now mind about the entire Indian food process or the entire Indian food dynamic or anything like that you can just say fuck you food we had an engine restaurant that's fine anyway their chemistry is so bad that we get the classic exchange i love you honeybee buzz okay that's terrible dialogue made worse by the fact these actors have no chemistry together which isn't their fault sometimes it just doesn't work although you would think why would you hire these two actors to play opposite each other if they have no chemistry so Rose and Guy pull up a cabin that's ugly than one evil dead. Guy wants sets, but Rose has to show the cabin off. I think this may be director's cabin, given the movie is stalled completely so we can be taken from room to room. Guy really, really, really wants sets, and Rose humours him by moving one bit of clothing in each room of the house before she wanders into the next one. Also, they have a bare room. I have many questions. One, what is a bear room? Two, why would you have a bear room? Three, if you did have bear room, why would you put your bear room in this movie? And four, who the fuck is a bear room? I know we asked that, but it stands to reason. Who has bear room? Why do you have it? Why is in this movie? And why do you have bear room? In the weirdly green bathroom, they flirt in quotation marks over her almost drowning bathtub a long time ago as a child. Why would you flirt over that? What and also what, what submarine? What what is sub what is the submarine game? Is that one where you pretend you you've got a snorkel on and go underwater? Because she almost drowned doing that. She's got a lot more problems than marrying this arsehole. Kissing ensues. Guy takes off his shirt. Rose removes his bed. Guy takes her knickers off. This is riveting and very erotic. I have to assure you. They remember that they have to switch locations now because they spent too long in the bathroom. She roars like the proud king of Wakanda to Charla. Then goes into the wood room. They have a wood room. A room for wood. I do not know why you'd have wood room, but she explains. It's called the wood room because it has windows that face the wood. Okay, a few questions. Wouldn't there be at least one other room which faced the wood? In which case, why would this be the wood room, not that one? And two, 
This is clearly the bedroom because he just pushed you down on the bed. So if this is the bedroom, is it also woodroom? In that case, I don't think this is called the woodroom because it faces the wood. I think this is called the woodroom because this is where you get wood. I'm just saying, maybe it's called woodroom for a different reason than you put across, which makes your attempt for exposition disingenuous at best. Anyway, yeah, they have to set up the woodroom, I guess, for, to it, set up for that. Fine, I understand that. Birds chirp. And then what can be described as the most unerotic bomb chicka wow wow of all time ensues. And I think I have to adjust this by giving the least enthusiastic bomb chicka wow wow of all time. Okay. <laughs> bomb chicka wow wow. Time cut to Rose running back to bed after she's pissed in the very green bathroom. But she hasn't almost drowned this time, so that's progress. Guy weirdly brings up the duck figurines on wall that we weren't shown before. So in all this exposition, one of the few things we were meant to actually be focusing on, the duck figurines on wall, we didn't get any information on. And now they're suddenly there. I call bullshit. But it does give us this great line by Rose. Ah, oh, they're fake and hollow. Empty inside. Which is the first bit of foreshadowing. And then she gives us enough bit of foreshadowing. I used to hide things inside them when I was little. Foreshadowing. And then Guy says, I love you, honeybee. To which Rose replies, Buzz, that's already getting old. Can that not be a recurring motif? Because she's not a bee. And all that makes me think of is Arrested Verdman. And I just... I, I just wish I'd be watching that instead, to be honest. But you, at the moment... Arrested Vermin's not on Friday Night Shudder, so we have to review things, I uh, have to recap things like Honeymoon. Yay. In background and owl hoots. Later on, they're both asleep. What can best be described as a fucking giant UFO light shines a beacon of light upon them. And I think that's a good time for this chapter to end. Also, by the way, this chapter... Should have been scored in classic Phil Collins song, A Groovy Kind of Love. And if you're listening to Anchor, you did hear that song. So great. If you're not listening to Anchor, you didn't hear that song. This doesn't make any sense. Anyway, this is the end of chapter one. Chapter two, Easy Lover. Rose straddles an unconscious guy, miming that she's going to drill a hole for his chest. This movie's really going hardcore on foreshadowing. I think you'll agree. Guy wakes up and calls her Pretty Creepo. Not a Pretty Creepo, just Pretty Creepo one word, which A is not a word, and B... So you, what's he trying to say? That she's kind of a creep? That she's an attractive creep? I, I, I'm guessing, I'm hypothesising. Anyway, Rose shows him a note. Guy reads it, and I'm going to... I'm going to... Have to say what note says. I'm going to have to actually enunciate it. <laughs> Dear Ducks, my name is Mallard P. Quack. I am not a real duck. Stay away. It's important to note that Rose is mouthing the words as guys reading them. What is going on? What does like? 
uh, just what has that been to mean? Like, why would she, even as a kid, why would she, why would she do that as a kid? And then why would she bring it up again years later? And then they have a quack off. They quack at each other. The next day, Rose is fucking back with a Chinese takeout box. Guy wants her to relax and rest her womb. There's there's a silence because he's making breakfast and then she starts asking him what the fuck he's talking about and then brings up whether or not he wants to have a baby with her. What is going on? He defers saying no, 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 no. He's not one have baby. It was a reference to how hard he fucked her last night. She looks at him aghast. And the scene cuts. I do not know what to say, so I'm going to jump to the next scene. Cut to the living room where they discuss having baby. Fine. She isn't ready. I, I, I feel like we're missing some important context scenes. Some scenes explain and filling the gaps because I do not understand why he... That's a really weird way of bringing up the issue of having baby. Oh, yeah, yeah, rest your womb because I fucked you that hard. That's a weird seed, seed into discussing whether you should have baby or not. So we cut to the bear room. Guy fondles a bear skin rug. <laughs> At this point, I'm thinking, hang on a second. Hang on one fucking second. What is this? Rose enters, oiling up her arms, and we get some bear rug exposition. Namely, that Rose's father murdered the bear, likely in cold blood. Guy is mocked for never killing anything. Okay. Rose says she's she's murdered a couple fish. Oh, and casually brings up frogs. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Hold up one fucking second. In what context do you not only murder a frog but casually mention it. And she proceeds to inform us that these frogs were bait. She murdered frogs as bait, okay? You know, that's weird, but fine. They were bait to drawing little ones. I, I, I have no words. I thought this was going to be a mundane horror movie. I did not realise that we were going to go round into fucking bizarro land again. I mean, I, I just... Audition, the whole episode for Audition be up before this. I thought American Psycho, The Love Witching Audition, I thought that was the weird trilogy. Just we making a quadrilogy of this? Um, guy, guy asks Rose if it's normal to murder frogs by using them as bait. And Rose replies, oh, they scream when you cast them. <laughs> he wrote... Guy picks her up as they're both laughing and asks, who are you? And she replies with, <laughs> What in the ever-loving fuck is going on in this movie? This would make me the normal one. The, the week after generic horror movie. <laughs> Cut to Rose and Guy outside. I, I, from camera angle, it looks like he's got butt teeth. Rose beckons him. Now they're in boat room. He wants the Mexican security putting like life preservers on because he's afraid of the water. They take to the sea in a boat. 
Guy forgets Tatyanka because he's a fucking moron. So Rose has to. Tension gone. She wants to go swimming. Guy is afraid. So Rose mocks his crippling fear as you always do with your loved ones. If they have any sort of phobias, take two phobia, take them down peg or two. That's the marriage way, surely. This is what these movies are teaching me. They both fake shark bites. That's a nice, genuinely decent romantic thing. I assume it's probably based in reality more than love, this movie. He tries to throw her into a lake, but his, le his legs buckle. Cut to shower sets, where they proceed to get water all over the floor like a couple of arseholes. Cut to Rose drying her hair. Guy is hungry, but Rose feels kind of full. Guy calls her dirty and grabs the rope and binds her hands, then blows a raspberry on her belly. And that's the end of chapter two, Easy Lover. Chapter three, a slimy slug in some grass. Now there's a metaphor if ever heard, ever seen one. Rose and Guy walk. They find a restaurant named Restaurant and make my jokes for me. And can I just point out, you can make fun of your own movie, but you still chose to call the restaurant restaurant. That was your choice. You can poke fun at it, but you're the one with no creativity, and you're the one who chose that generic name. So you have to live with that. They enter restaurant. Restaurant is empty. Some dude appears, doubled over, looking very upset. He sees them. Throws the cap on and screams that they're closed. When they don't leave, he breaks the lamp. He recognises Rose as Trixie and they hug. He speaks French to her. She says, Merci. We don't know what he says, but we can allude to what he says. Rose looks sad. Rose looks sad when Zap, the man, says he's married. Wait, what? Are we adding more on this? I mean, this seems like there's a lot of character stuff already. We don't need to add more character stuff, which I don't think is going to pay off. Zap apologises for everything being broken. And I think, Zap, you just destroyed the lamp. It was not broken until you threw it on the fucking floor. Banter about Zap's cap ensues. Zap says that Annie, his wife, will have to pry it off his cold, dead head. More foreshadowing, unless it doesn't go and win, in which case it's not foreshadowing, it's just filler. Awkwardness ensues because clearly Zap likes Trixie. Trixie, aka Rose, likes Zap. But she also likes Guy, and Guy likes her. And maybe Guy likes Zap. I don't know, I'm not judging. I'm saying, you know, there's a lot of dynamics here. Now, aren't we going to go anywhere? So we're going to just get on for the fucking movie. Of course we can't. Annie shows up, because why not? She's tripping balls of bath salts and starts screaming that Rose and Guy needs to leave. Which they do, because this scene's starting to drag and really doesn't have anything to do with anything. Zap sees Rose's smile and goes, there's that smile, that smile. Well, just put in context, you know each other when you're 13, so you've never seen that exact smile on that face. Not at this age. You saw 13-year-old's version, and now you're seeing a 24-year-old's version, I guess? So it's both different. You've never seen that smile, unless you're insinuating that you had an affair with her, but that's not what the scene's implying. 
It's later and Rose and Guy are walking home. Nengla are in bed. Guy hits her with a fishing mad scene, boasting he's getting up early to catch dinner. This does not seem like a couple. Rose doesn't care. She gets defensive regarding Zap and they discuss bath sultanic. The two argue, and I don't think either one is making any sense because nothing they talk about actually happened. They're both describing a scene. There was nothing like they're describing. Rose talks about how when they're, how when they're younger, Zap had a tiny, sexy 13-year-old, but it's cut off by a kiss. What on earth is going on? What, how is that foreplay? We cut to see where other duck figurine, because why not? The lights buzz, and let's go item spurt to life. It's either a power cut, or it's a... It's either a power cut, or it's a fault of Cyborg Superman. Okay, ham, ham... Fuck. This is why I don't... I'm leaving this in. The lights buzz, and let's go item spurt to life. It's either a power cut, bruh, or it's Cyborg Superman, a.k.a. Hank Henshaw, a DC Comics book Reed Richards knockoff with a bunch of Kryptonian powers and hard-on messing with the Green Lantern Corpse. I don't even think that's worth including, but I start the sentence, so it has to go in. Guy gets ready to fish. He drops the item seconds from the front door like an arsehole. He realises it's own 345, it's too fucking early to go fishing. He goes back inside. Rose isn't there. She's not peeing, so where could she be? Not the bare room. Not the living room. The suspense thickens. A butterfly in the lamp confuses Guy. The door creaks. He investigates. It's dark as shit, so he turns on the light. Now he's outside. No, he's in the basement. Then he's outside again. State of your locations. This isn't funny, he says, and I beg to disagree. A noise behind him. He turns. A noise from behind him again. He turns again, entering the woods, making rackets he does so. The bush rushes. Rose is there, butt naked. He tries to wake her up, but she screams. Cuts in the cabin. She maintains she's okay, but he's freaking out. She calms him down. Wait, what? Why are you calming him down? We really missing scenes. Entire scenes of context explains what's going on. I swear to God, this is just like that Phil Collins song, Susudio. And actually, I'm chapter three, Susudio. Chapter four. Rose hats at her hair. Guy watches her. She maintains that she's fine. Sure. They're in bed. She's asleep, he's not. The next morning, birds are chirping. Guy wakes up. Rose is making breakfast. She's called a zombie and does an adorable zombie dance. And you know what? I'm good with it. You know, that, that was pretty adorable. That was a moment where it feels like these two could be in a romantic comedy. It's the only moment so far, but it's, it's a bit of chemistry. Anyway, bread is burning. Guy spazzes out. Rose reveals that she feels funny. He mentioned she's never slept well before. And I'm just sat here thinking, why the fuck is this only a thing now? Why didn't you discuss this last night? Oh, I hate movies that drag shit out like this. That should be the first thing you discuss. Like, oh, wait, you have slept well before. I know you can't. Anyway, Guy shows her how, make, how to do a half-assed job cooking. She says she made coffee. Guy checks. Rose lies. Ooh. They go fishing. He catches a frog. 
Rose does not laugh when he mimes eating it, and he calls her Froggy Kruger. Okay, that's a good line. Froggy Kruger, that's good. Like, you know, I'll give credit where it's due. Froggy Kruger and Zombie Dance, both good. So, they're not the worst writers on planet. They both get horny. Okay, I take that. They might not be the worst writers on planet, but they're sure not best. She jumps in water. He doesn't. Seriously, what am I doing with my life? Like, I, I don't understand what's going on. They, they do, characters do things, and then it's like the writers just write. They know where scenes go and end and start. They don't know how to get there, and they don't know what they're doing. Connect dots. It has to flow. This is not flowing. This is just shit happening because it has to happen. Cut to Rose drying clothes. They act like they haven't seen each other in weeks. He asks why she'd jump in cold water. She thought it'd be funny. Inside, this insipid discussion continues. She's tired. The stress has caught up to her, which is a logical thing. She's got married. That's stressful. He does not agree. He thinks that it's proof she doesn't want to marry him. No, weddings are stressful. I've been to a lot of weddings. I've seen how stressful they are. It happens. Once it's over, well, in your case, you not clearly should not have got married, but still, stress. Anyway, they kiss, because why not? These two have some weird fetishes. It seems like... They just uh, doesn't. It seems like the script tells them kiss. They kiss. There's no logical through line for the characters. Anyway, guy goes straight for a fight and sees bites in her in a fight. He freaks out. They argue about mosquito bites. Rose goes to take a nap. I'm literally transcribing what happens, and it still sounds insane. Cut to those fucking duck figurines. It's it's a Terrible motif. What is it meant to mean? Rose is sleeping. Guy pulls up covers and inspects her bites. He's concerned, so he explores the woods. He finds a torn up nighty. I don't know what that means to what's that meant to prove, okay? It's covered in gooey liquid. Guy looks concerned. He remembers that. Guy steps in shit. There's a perfect metaphor for this movie. Wedding footage plays on their camera. I don't know who turned on. It's clearly not important. Guy finds Rose talking to herself in the bathroom. Or is she? Maybe she's talking to a demon. Spoilers. Her stomach feels icky. She walks into the living room. Guy and Rose say hey to each other. What am I watching? Cut to Guy taking six matches and an entire can of light fluid to light a fire outside. For fuck's sake, dude, state of your fire making, really. They charm marshmallows like savages they are. I'm convinced this movie doesn't want me to like either of these characters. Cut to the kitchen. These short scenes are really giving me a migraine because I'm getting impressed the feeling I had watching Dark Tower, which is you made the three-hour movie and then you cut it in half and you don't think about how it flows. Literally, what is connection between scenes, please? Guy gets our board game. Rose joins him with two beers. More terrible flirting ensues. See, what's going on with these two? Who is, did they just refuse to let the actors improvise coherent dialogue? Guy dry humps her. She suddenly remembers she has a headache. Guy's upset. They remember the woods and she gets to change the subject by mainlining for his dick. He wants to put a nightgown on. She can't. It's in suitcase. Seriously, what is going on? Why is that now being brought up? 
why is the nightgown suddenly this important thing when yeah, it's like she doesn't remember what she's doing in the woods so she might have lost the nightgown and not remembered where she put it so I don't understand what he's going for here he's not catching her in a lie because she doesn't know what the fuck's going on unless she is lying but if she is lying how does he know it's, it's just stupid it doesn't make any sense and that's why this chapter is called Two Hearts Chapter 5 Take Me Home Twinkly music plays. Rose is asleep. Guy is not. He's being ugly, Creepo, watching her as she's asleep. Guy fakes falling asleep and Rose sees the opportunity to go for a piss. Guy reveals his trump card and stands up following her. But hey, Rose enters the room. Startling Guy. Rose reveals she was just getting a drink, but Guy asks where the glass is. Rose gives him a look for a second and then gets in bed. Guys point out that like entering does not mean that you bring a glass back with you. You know, like also there's not much time Rose had to do anything. So suspicions just made him look like a paranoid douchebag. Later on, Guy can't sleep. A UFO shines a light through window, temporarily blinding him. A loud hum is keeping him awake. Guy goes to investigate. And this scene wasn't good first time. And this is the fifth iteration of Guy going to investigate. And not finding anything. Because he's a moron. And then even that said. He finds a shotgun. But it's a shotgun which was never mentioned before now. So it's categorically not a Chekhov's gun. And anyway. The humming changes to a soft grinding. Then back to humming. Then back to soft grinding. Because why not? Outside the brush rustles. Guy breathes heavily. He stares at the sky and fires a warning shot. Rose emerges and asks him what he's doing. Guy is paranoid as shit. He reveals that he found her nighty. He accuses her of something? It's kind of vague. It's really vague, in fact. Then he outright just asks if she met Zap. And he's trying to act like he's okay with it, but he's clearly doing law technique of trying to get her to dig her own grave. They rage at each other. Rose says maybe a boat or a moon was creeping on her. And I think that would be a far more interesting movie if it was a, an evil boat or an insidious moon that was creeping on her. It would be more interesting. I mean, you can even have it like DC Comics where you've got Rance, which is the war with, or Mogo, which is a living planet. A planet spying on her would be a much more interesting, much more fascinating movie. Maybe even Ego from Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Anyway, evil planets or even good planets be far better than this ship. Guy snaps, yelling, It wasn't fucking moon. And all I can think of is, Was it a Death Star? If it's no moon, maybe it's Death Star. Rose says he's ruining this, and to be honest, this was ruined a long time ago, and you can't blame him for this. It's not a very good movie. Rose is back in bed again. Guy is in bare room, pissing about with a lamp, turning on and on and on and on and off and off and off and off. He senses he's being watched. Maybe it's that dirty blue bastard Dr. Manhattan. He likes to show up and watch people. <sighs> Cut to the next morning. Rose writes in her journal. It's very childlike, you know, just basic details like, My name's Rose, my husband's Paul. My name's Rose, my husband's Zap. What am I talking about, Paul? Paul's not a name for a character. Guy gets mad. Later, Guy is cooking. He refuses her assistance. 
Later, he stabs the grass outside, killing many ants. Many ants died for that scene. Rose asks why he'd do that. And then Guy accuses her of bug bites of not being bug bites. Seriously, we really missing entire scenes of context again. You, There's no flow. It's like scene ends, next scene starts, and you miss the bit that connects them. Rose walks into the woods. Guy watches her go. Then Rose puts the gas, camp gasoline into a boat. They act like they haven't seen each other in months again. This is horrendous. They go fishing, because why not? Guy wants to leave. Okay. Rose forgets they've been arguing for 50 fucking minutes of screen time, saying that she wants to sleep with him. What are you doing before? And you keep saying saying this and keep changing your mind. It's fine. That's okay. Like, it's not... You can change your mind. But maybe after a certain point, you should just realise that you don't want to sleep with this guy. And you don't want to be married. Well... At any rate, Guy sees this opportunity and he fucking mainlines for a vagina, but he removes his hand and it's covered in blood. And he freaks out, but Rose doesn't. At cabin, they argue about whether Rose is on her period. Oh my fucking God. Guy decides that it's time to confront Zap because there's too much blood for it to be a period and Rose told him that she wasn't going to have a period while they're on their honeymoon. It works like that, mate. I'm sorry. Guy goes to the restaurant, but shut. He finds Bath Salt Annie nearby. She's so high that she keeps saying that Will is hiding. She warns Guy to stay away. He's not safe. Annie takes to the sea. Guy finds Will's cap in the water. That's not a very good cliffhanger. But this was not a very good chapter. I apologise for how bad this chapter was and how I'm starting to lose my freaking mind watching this. This is not quite the room of horror movies as I thought, but hopefully next chapter will go back being a bit more esoteric and a bit more interesting. Chapter 6, In the Air Tonight. Guy explores the restaurant. He enters Zap's back door. Lights buzz. He's caught on camera, which he knows. Twinkling music ensues. In behind Guy, glass shatters, or maybe he shatters it. It's very hard to see what's going on because this is very poorly shot. Keys jangle. Guy tries turning lights on. No dice. So he sits down at a computer, loading up a program called Watchdog. We hear a dog bark. Guy studies CCTV footage. I have to assume that this short scene takes place over many hours because Guy is not this good at doing anything. But somehow he catches Rose and Annie. <laughs> On CCTV footage, the power goes out. The lights start to spaz like an ugly creepo named Guy. He finds that Annie wrote the same gibberish as Rose. Over and 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 over Fucking hell. Anyway, Guy's trapped the mystery, although I wasn't aware this was a mystery movie. And also, I'm not sure what mystery he solved. Someone's watching him from outside. Ooh. Guy guns the camera. He storms back to the cabin. Guys say, there's no, the sense of jog thing in this movie is terrible. Because clearly it's taken a while to get from cabin back from cabin to restaurant, restaurant to his cabin. But he acts like it takes him a few minutes. And he does know where he's going because it's pitch black. He has no map, no compass, no clue. Because they found restaurant by accident earlier on. It's terrible. 
Guy, anyway, Guy's back in cabin and he reads Rose's journal, which is a, not a good thing to do. You ask permission, and then when you get permission, you still say, I'm okay, I'd rather not. He asks who she is. She maintains that she's Rose. But she doesn't know his name, except she does. Well, that was brilliant. But it's delivered like a robot with no emotion, just a bunch of facts and figures. She doesn't know why she's writing her life story, and neither do I. It's not very interesting. Rose asks him to stop being him. Guy wants answers, and he knows that Zap is dead. Oh, shit. Rose says that she just wants to protect him, and at the sight and the image and the audio of his words being repeated back at him, Guy loses the fucking plot. That's the end of chapter six in the air tonight. Uh, so this is um, so this is chapter seven, True Colors. Um, it starts with Guy demanding no way car keys are. He we go full circle as he smashes Mallard, Pequack, and wrestles Duck figurines, but finds no key. Rose has locked the safe in the bathroom. A perfectly justifiable response. She's perf- trying to perform an abortion using a crowbar. What? Um, okay, holy shit, this movie got real dark real quick. Guy asks Rose what she's doing. I think it's conversation explanatory, there you go. She asks him to leave. They argue. The scene continues for another minute, but I'm going to skip off that and just part, get to the part where she runs in the bedroom. Guy follows, begging her for answers. You're not going to get mate. This movie doesn't make any goddamn sense. He says he loves her, honeybee, and asks what she says, a call back to earlier on. After battering Rose over and over again, not accepting any responses, she, Rose finally says, we don't remember. And the shit hits the fucking fan. Guy restrains her, trying to tie up the rope. Rose reverses, because this is the main event. She gets a drop on him and starts tying him up. But Guy's an expert at counters. He counters her counter and starts tying her up. Tying her to bed. And at this point, I have to clap in pure wrestling parlance and go, that was awesome. That was awesome. Guy just wants things to be normal. I don't understand that. can't be normal after such an awesome reversal, but there you go. He asks why Rose isn't crying. Because his wife cries. There's not a good thing to boast about. Anyway, this movie is a perfect example of why you never fuck crazy people. Can be fun, but it can wind up like this. And these two are married, so it's even worse. Guy asks her questions about their past. Rose doesn't know the answers. Then Rose remembers their proposal. They were camping. It was a starry night. It was beautiful. She was so in love. Except that wasn't her proposal. That's somebody's proposal. And immediately this makes me think, are they trying to present that Rose has turned into Annie and Annie into Rose? Because that's moderately interesting. I can't like that as a cool twist. Nope. Annie might as well have not been the movie at all. When Zap was a red herring, Annie doesn't matter. None of that shit matters. So why is it in the movie? Who gives a fuck? Guy asks where his wife is. And then we get great line, you have her knees, you have her knees. 
No, what am I talking about? No, that is one of the lines. But line before that is, you have her toes, you have her toes. And then he lets her fry and says, you taste like my wife, but you're different. And then Guy, being a classy guy that he is, goes straight for her vagina again. And whereas before he went for her vagina and she fends him off, and same time he went for her vagina and his hands covered in blood, this time goes for a vagina and his hand is covered in goo, but not the sort of goo he wants. This is really messed up, cracky looking goo. It's all over his hands. Rose begs him finish the abortion. Guy goes for it and starts pulling out what looks like at first a rope, but then seems to be a snake. And he's jagging and jagging and pulling and pulling and pulling. And that motherfucker looks bigger than one of Jake Roberts' snakes. He pulls out fully and then he bats off and goes, what the fuck, what the fuck, what the fuck. And then the moment that made me lose my goddamn mind, Rose reveals a UFO impregnator with snake. I was joking when I said the lights were UFO. I wasn't being serious, I was being facetious. And the movie decided, no, no, it's a UFO. Fucking wizard. But also, what in the fuck is going on? Why are there fucking aliens? Why have they impregnated her? Why did they impregnate this specific woman? Why did they impregnate her with a snake? Why did the snake come to gestation in less than three days? Why wasn't she showing any effects of this earlier? Why wasn't she more concerned? Is she Annie? Is she Rose? Is she B? Is she someone different? Where's the memories coming from? Is aliens give her random memories? Are memories meant to be consultative of her life they tend before? So many questions and no answers. This is the Prometheus of terrible horror movies. And Prometheus was a terrible horror movie. The aliens told Rose not to tell Guy. She says that she's leaving with the aliens. Guy wants to leave. Rose says he can't. She finally recalls their proposal. These aliens aren't very smart. They're giving her information. They didn't think give her the accurate information on her own fucking proposal. Rose begs him to stay. Guy can't. This entire discussion goes on and on and on and on and won't fucking end. The humming starts. Rose goes full alien and knocks Guy out. I mean, she beats the fucking shit out of him. Talk about glass jaw. He goes down with one fucking hit. Later, they're on the boat. Guy is bound by rope at the bottom of the boat. They're in the middle of the lake. And if you remember earlier, he said he was afraid of water. But we're not going to get any payoff to that because... It says he's afraid of water, and the end of the movie, they're on water. There's no consistency. There's no payoff. Rose says that she's going to save him. How is she still alive, by the way? You just gave birth to a fucking alien snake. No, he's dead. The alien snake is dead, and it's not coming back. Which, incidentally, what the fuck was the point of that if it wasn't even going to come after you in last act? Rose says that she's going to hide Guy in the water. He rightly points out, A, that isn't hiding. B, that's a very flawed plan. C, he's going to die. And D, he's afraid of water. Rose throws him overboard anyway. A bird warbles. The aliens take Rose home. That is the end of Chapter 7, True Colours. And that is the end of Honeymoon. 
I will be back after this classic slice of food, Collins. It's wrong, Anger. If not wrong, Anger, I'll be back straight away to do my The End is F vlog. But I think I'd safely say, holy shit, this movie. This fucking movie. So this is the end of this epilogue for Honeymoon. And I think I can safely say that this movie continues a stream of weird-ass shit I've been watching recently. I almost don't know what to say about the movie. I thought it was going to be a generic horror movie. And it turned out to be absolutely certifiably batshit insane. Some would call it room of horror movies. I wouldn't go quite that far because it got really boring in the end. And I couldn't actually... Even kind of relate to him characters. I know you can't really relate to characters in Room. Because Tom Wizard is a horrendous actor. But it's f funny I guess. This is kind of funny in parts. But it loses that sense of fun. The more it goes along. By the end it's quite, quite serious. And saying it's stupidity quite seriously. Especially true of bit where the aliens turn up. And you just sat there thinking... This movie wants this to be a serious twist, and it's fucking ludicrous, absolutely ludicrous in every possible regard. I I I I'm kind of stumped what to say really, because it just wasn't very good, at all. It, it's a very strange movie. Uh, a movie where clearly a lot, either a lot was cut out of it or a lot was never shot that should have been shot, because there's a lot of stuff in this movie which doesn't go anywhere. Like Annie and Zap and the computer and CCTV footage. And also the fact that earlier on when that guy is looking at a computer, you see a silhouette of a human in the background. I guess now that's meant to be one of the aliens. Maybe, I guess. It doesn't really connect back to what that scene was showing. And at the same time, um, it's... It seems like it's an incomplete script. It feels like it's the first draft where they're writing it. And when they start writing it, they clearly thought that the Annie, Zap, Guy, Rose, Love Quadrander would be a huge part of the movie. But then they wrote away from that. And then they didn't go back and fix start the movie. or start the script to reflect the changes they made. Now, Tarantino does that a fair bit. He'll change up movie from what it was to be something different. But Tarantino's fantastic at it and really does it in a clever way. This isn't clever. This is just forgetting shit. Now you've established it's important to the movie and then dumping. I mean, you can make the point that Zap was a red herring, I guess. The problem is that it's too much of a drop plot hole. Plot hole. Plot. It's too much of a drop plot, you know? doesn't if it doesn't go anywhere at all it shouldn't be a movie also it's, it's a very short movie but feels a lot longer and at the same time it feels longer but nothing really happens there's a lot of filler there's only the same scene repeated over and over again this guy investigating's done five or six times they go out to sea three or four times they go walking a lot they have the same argument a dozen times with slightly different no circumstances around it. And that's fine. Not not all movies are going to have mind-blown plot, you know? Something like Boyhood, for example, doesn't really have any plot at all. It's just people being people. But if you're going to make movies which are predominantly about people arguing or people talking, it has to be interesting. It has to be well-written and it has to have character versus true character. 
nothing this move doesn't have. Neither of these these characters barely have character. They certainly don't have true character. We don't really, despite the fact that they talk a lot to each other about the past, we don't learn anything about them as human beings. Rose is a blank slate. Guy is creepy, I guess. We never get the sense of any chemistry between them. And you'd say that's down to the actors. And you would be right to an extent, but at the same time, the writing doesn't give them anything to work with. It really does feel like one of those terrible horror movies you'll see TV actors do to try and break in mainstream horrors, obviously, a very lucrative genre and good stepping stone in Hollywood. The pro is, but the problem is, it's, it's kind of like that Natalie Dormer one forest, which is fucking awful. It's a really bad horror movie. And you get the impression that this. Maybe the script seems a bit better, but the actual movie just doesn't work. And the other thing that buzzed about this is a lot of the good parts of the movie, the weird parts, like conversation about ducks and the bees and stuff like that and zombie dance. But then that's never elaborated on. It goes to a very Blair Witch, the Blair Witch, the sequel Blair Witch Project, which it takes so, so fucking seriously. And you're like, can you just have some fun with it? The parts that are meant to be fun are good. The parts that are meant to be serious are shit. Maybe that's a sign. I don't know. And I'm not saying make parody, because I don't think we need any more fucking parodies. Scream was the perfect parody slash slate horror movie. But that's the point. Stream worked on both levels. This doesn't work on either level. And twist the aliens. <coughs> Sorry. I'm not a fan of that sort of thing in general because to me it feels cheap. You're not committing to a move you're making. And if the twist is something I joked about while I've been watching a movie and I won't reassert I did not do the ending of that movie when I was saying if the twist of your movie is something I made joking references about and I don't know the twist is coming and your movie ends and reveal is and it's a UFO and it's aliens all along I'm not giving you props that's terrible it should not be part of the movie I'm making fun of you know like it's basic basic logic so I'd say this was weird, but didn't stick its landing. After a week of... I mean, I, I wasn't a huge fan of Audition, but I think with American Psycho and Love Witch, I had two really good movies back-to-back. -back. And Audition... Oh, you should watch my... You should listen to my bottom episode on that. Fucking hell. Like, that made me genuinely angry. This doesn't... Hungry doesn't make me angry because I had no expectations going in. And I'm not happy with how it wound up. But I had an enjoyable time watching it of sorts I wouldn't say it's enjoyable but I enjoyed watching it and doing this episode it didn't stick landing but well I don't really have anything positive to say about it to be honest except for there were a few good moments of levity which didn't really go anywhere right so that's the end of this episode and next week we'll be Grave Encounters which is a movie I have seen before, found footage, and I enjoyed it first time. So it'll be interesting to see if I enjoy it again while doing critical review. Uh, what's coming up on this podcast? Uh, we're Graving Towns next week. Graving Towns is two weeks after. Something, maybe something Halloween related in a couple of weeks, if I hedge my bets. What episodes? I bought Zombie Flesh Eaters 2, so I'm sure I'll do that as a bottle episode at some point. But for now, all I have to say is life is beautiful.